Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. And let's not try to throw hate across the aisle if you see somebody wearing a team that you don't like. <clears throat> JW. Here we go. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. And sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. And brokenness and pain is all I know. And I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear, come on. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. She no longer has a place to hide. And I am not to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Come on, there's power. It's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your resurrection power that can save this power in your name power in your name my fear doesn't stand a chance when i stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when i stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when i stand in your your fear this morning. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Somebody give God a hand this morning. Turn to your neighbor, wave at them, shake their hand, welcome them to church.
Desperate 
something um, as he continues to play that um, I want to take just a moment to claim that over our lives and over the lives of our friends and family uh, I don't know about you but I know I have personal friends that are fighting for their life as we stand here this morning in different hospitals um, and you know when things like that happen sometimes we forget that he's enough you may be facing something right now in your life that you, you look at the situation Sometimes it's, it's hard to even stand firm in what we're singing. But as Nick sings that through, I want you to claim that over your situation. Whatever it is that you're facing, maybe you have friends or family members who are facing what seems like an impossible situation. I want you to claim that this morning. That simple course says, Jaira, 
you're enough. It may not feel like it, but I know it. Jaira, you're enough. Can you proclaim that in your life and over your situation this morning? Jaira, you are enough. He's our provider. Jaira, you are enough. Do that again, just Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, you are enough. No matter what my eyes see, Jaira, you are enough. No matter what my flesh sees, Jaira, you are enough. Oh, we believe, Jaira, you are enough. And I will be, and I will be content. In every circumstance, Jaira, you are enough, and I will be content. In every circumstance, Jaira, you are enough. Father, we thank you for your promise. God, that you're not just enough, but you're more than enough. God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll speak into our hearts and to our lives this morning. God, that you will allow us to know that through every circumstance, through every situation, through every problem, every issue, every struggle, you're Jehovah Jireh. You're our provider. And you are more than enough. Father, we praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church on this game day 2021. If you're a guest and you walked in and uh, you're wondering sort of what's going on. Um, we, uh, every year, uh, we celebrate what we call game day. And uh, for me, it's um, normally, I'm going to be honest, normally it is, uh, as a Reds fan, normally game day is just a way that I can transition from having a miserable summer of watching baseball uh, because by September, usually the Reds are completely out of the race, and it's just time to, to switch to football. Uh, this year, we've left that for the Cubs fans. Uh, they are uh, they're eagerly and anticipating the start of football season. As you can see um, over here, I've, uh, I've got my Johnny Bench jersey, and uh, I was going to wear it this morning, and my wife said, how are you wearing baseball and football? And so I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I have to bring it because uh, while y'all are watching football at 2.15, there will be someplace, somewhere that a group of us will be watching baseball uh, because we have to take advantage of still being in uh, the playoff chase. We are excited about what God's doing in our church. And um, I want to uh, take uh, just a moment uh, to uh, maybe introduce you to someone, uh, a couple, and uh, maybe uh, I look around and most of you probably know them. Some of you may not. You've, uh, I've preached about him more than once. Uh, so you can put a, a name, a uh, face with a name. Uh, but um, I'm going to ask uh, uh, Pastor Rick and, 
and his uh, lovely wife, Cindy, to come over here. I'm going to come down. Uh, about, let me, I got to make sure I'm in the camera. They won't see me now. Um, about f- uh, 15 years ago in, in November, uh, this couple started what you see. And uh, it may not have looked like this, uh, but uh, uh, they started it 15 years ago, and we started it, uh, we were with them. And about five years ago, he um, decided and felt led to, to go to Lexington to take over the youth and discipleship of uh, Kentucky, uh, of all the, the students in, in the state of Kentucky. And um, so in August, uh, he made a decision, they made a decision uh, that they, they never sold their home in Ashland. And I always told them that uh, I knew that that was where they were was just temporary. And uh, so they have come back home. And uh, I'll text him every now and then and say, it's so good to have you home. And uh, so they're going to come uh, back. And uh, this is a telling of how much you can age in five years. Five years ago, he left uh, to, uh, to take over, you know, students, teenagers. And uh, five years later, he's coming back to work with senior adults. And... Um, <laughs> So uh, it's, it's been a long five years, uh, but we're excited about having, uh, having them back and having them on staff with us, and uh, you'll see, uh, in, in he brings a, a bunch of wealth, a wealth of knowledge and experience and, and a lot of experience, and um, uh, a lot, he said and a lot of aggravation, uh, but we're excited, so glad to have them back, and uh, so after service, if you haven't met them, take the opportunity to, uh, to meet them or get reacquainted, uh, but we're just excited. Can we give them a hand this morning and, and welcome them back to Gateway Church? Love you guys. So, a, a couple other things I want, I want to make you aware of very quickly. Um, We'll be doing a baptism right after the service. Uh, we have our uh, baptistry uh, set up uh, outside, and we're going to do it outside. Uh, and uh, if you haven't been baptized and you want to be baptized, uh, the water probably was warmer out there than it is in here because the sun has had time to, uh, uh, to warm it maybe a little bit. So you're more than welcome. Uh, we're going to be doing that right after service. And I'm going to ask after service if you'll just, you know, there's only one baptistry sitting out in the parking lot, so you'll sort of figure out where to gather. And uh, we're going to do that right before we go down to, uh, to partake of some food. Um, secondly, September 25th, we're having what we're calling a gateway giveaway. Uh, what this is, is just we, it's going to be like a yard sale, but we're not calling it a yard sale because we're not selling anything. Uh, we are going to give away uh, stuff. Now, don't, don't bring the stuff that you wouldn't throw away uh, because it's not good enough to throw Yeah, it's not even... It's, not good enough to throw away. Uh, in other words, we don't want no junk, okay? Uh, but no, if you've got stuff that you would like to, to donate, that you, uh, you know, it's just cluttering up that closet, and uh, whether it's clothes, whatever it might be, on September 25th, we're going to set tables up here in the parking lot. We're going to advertise it, and everything's going to be free. And it's just a way that we can reach out and connect with our community. And uh, we did that uh, once when we moved in. It was very successful. And uh, so we're looking forward to doing that again. If, um, if you've got too much stuff, that you can't bring it all on Saturday morning, starting at 8 o'clock uh, is when we'll start setting up. We can arrange for you to, to, to bring some of it over on Friday night. We'll put it downstairs, and uh, then we can set it out on, uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. 
Also, there's a tote in the back, um, and it's called, uh, it's, it's for Jax's, uh, I think it's called Jax's Journey. Basically, what this is, is this is a uh, child that's connected with our church uh, that uh, recently he found out that, that he had leukemia, and uh, he's been going through, and he, and he goes through uh, treatment up in Huntington, and uh, child awareness of cancer is the month of September. So he was looking for a way to give back to the people who continually treat him and uh, they give gifts to children every time they have treatment or when they're having a bad day or that kind of stuff. And so he came up with this idea of collecting gifts, uh, snacks, new toys, and they're going to take him and his family are going to take them to that facility there in Huntington. Uh, on, uh, they're going to pick them up on September 27th. So in the back you see a, a tote that uh, people have been putting stuff in. And we would ask you to, to consider helping Jax with uh, uh, the way that he's trying to give back. They called me and said, you know, would the church want to be a part of it? And I said, absolutely. Uh, so that is out there as well. And um, there's another tote out there for um, uh, candy. Uh, we'll be doing our trunk or treat on October 23rd. And uh, it's something that we've uh, uh, made sort of a, another tradition out of here. And we've got a lot of stuff coming up September, October, November, and December. We'll be doing community events. And so if you're community-minded, this is going to be uh, a lot of fun for you. Uh, but we'll be doing that in October, and so we're just asking that if you want to bring candy and you can put it in there, we'll be also asking people to participate by putting their trunks uh, in uh, what we call trunk or treat. Commercial's over. Today we're going to uh, finish our series on Philippians. Uh, we started a series four weeks ago, and we entitled it By Choice, Not By Chance. And so we have been systematically looking at the four chapters found in Philippians. Uh, the first week we started in chapter 1 and we talked about that we could stand in confidence. That we could choose to have confidence in God. That, that the one who started a good work in us was faithful to complete it. And he made us that promise. And he said, you can have confidence that I'm going to complete it. People may try to, to change your story. You may do things that maybe edit your story, but in the end, that it's God who's going to finish the story, and you can have confidence in that. In the second chapter, we talked about humility. He said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, and was obedient even to death on the cross. Jesus was able to humble himself. Why? Because he understood who he was. And we looked at our lives and we said, if we're going to be able to humble ourselves, if we're going to be able to serve, if we're going to be able to sacrifice the way that Jesus did, first of all, we have to understand who we are. We may think that, that we're maybe the son of, of, our, of our father or our mother. We may think that we, we're the CEO of a company, or, or, but in reality, the best thing that we can be considered and the highest spot in society is being a son or a daughter of Christ. And when we realize that that is who we are, in that moment, then we can lower ourselves. We can humble ourselves. We, we can take the opportunity to relate with someone, to serve someone, to sacrifice, just as Jesus did. In chapter 3, we talked about how hard it was to keep pressing and how important it is to keep pressing. Because listen, there are going to be times that you want to give up. There are going to be moments that you say it's not worth it. 
No matter what it is, maybe it's, it's your Christian walk, maybe it's that diet, maybe it's that relationship, there are going to be times that you're ready to throw up your hands and you're ready to quit. I'm done, I'm finished. And, and Paul told us in chapter three, he said it's in those moments that you have to keep pressing. There'll be times that you'll be tempted to try to allow your flesh to satisfy you. You have to understand that your flesh, flesh will never satisfy you. There's going to be times that you have to get past your past because the enemy is continually throwing it up in your face and saying, God doesn't love you. God can't use you because you know who you are. He doesn't talk in the past tense. He wants you to think that that person that you used to be, that you still are. When in reality, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. That old things are passed away. All things become new. We have to learn to get past our past. We have to keep pressing when the enemy tries to get us to stop. Today, I want to close this series. And I'm going to systematically go through Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at almost every verse. It's a little bit different style, but, but I thought that, that the verses in chapter 4 are so important. And I want us to, to understand what Paul was saying and why he was writing them. I want to talk about choosing to stand. When Paul is writing this book to the church at Philippi, he's in prison. He's on trial for his life. Do you know why? For preaching the gospel. But in that moment, Paul found it important enough to write this letter. So he begins in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now, when we're looking at this, we see that he says, My brothers and sisters, I love you, I long for you, and then he renames him. He said, you are my joy and crown. Paul talks about his joy being found in people, not in stuff. Paul is saying, I love you people. I have a deep relationship with you. He said, I've found this joy and I've not found it in stuff, but I've found it in my relationships. And so many times we get so caught up in our things. So many times we get caught up in the stuff that we have or that we're trying to obtain. And we forget that our greatest gift is right in front of us. Our greatest gift are our friends. Our greatest gift are, is our family. Our greatest gift are our relationships. Paul said, Brothers and sisters, I love you. I long for you. You are my joy and my crown. I believe that, that we were Jesus' joy as well. I mean, the scripture talks about that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't believe it was talking about that he was joyous and he was going to die on the cross. But the joy set before him, why did he die for us? Paul was talking about relationships. That's why that, that you've probably received text messages this week. You've seen it on Facebook. Pushing for life groups. There's about 17 different life groups listed on the website. Why is that? Is it just so that we could say, look, we've got 17 life groups? No. It's because we understand that relationships 
people are our joy. They're our crown. Paul was talking to a different church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, he wrote this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day, so that when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. When he's writing this to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, your enemy isn't a person. Your enemy is your adversary. Your adversary is the devil. You may think, well, no, my enemy is that person, that person at work that's just getting on my nerves, or that person in that relationship that's just driving me crazy. That's not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Your coworkers are not your enemy. You have one enemy, and that enemy is the devil. Now, can he influence people to do things to hurt you? Absolutely. But they're still not your enemy. Paul said people are our joy. They're our crown. God loved people so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for them. Listen, we fight a real enemy. And Paul was saying in order to withstand that in an evil day. You notice it says when the day of evil comes. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say it might. Paul says when it comes. In other words, it's coming. Your marriage is going to be attacked. Your relationships are going to be attacked. Your finances are going to be attacked. You have one enemy, and that enemy is the devil. And you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to bring division where God wants unity. That's why you see it in families. You see it in relationships. You see it in the workplace. You see it in the church. The devil started, this whole thing started because of division. When the enemy was in heaven, when, devil, when the devil was there, what did he want? He wanted to be higher than God. He wanted to take over. He brought division, and he's been doing it ever since. And Paul says, if you want to stand, when, evil, when the day of evil comes, you have to understand that you have to put on the full armor of God. He's given us everything that we need to be able to stand. He's given us the breastplate of righteousness. He's given us the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation. He says our feet are covered with his peace. And if we want to, to stand, we have to put on the full armor of God. We have to stand in his fullness when the enemy comes. This morning I want to talk about three things, three ways, three things that we need to stand in that Paul talks about in this fourth chapter of Philippians. The first thing we have to do is we need to be able to stand in his peace. Stand in his peace. How many knows that, that, that your adversary doesn't want you to have any peace in your life? He wants you to live your life so there's so much turmoil. There's no peace. You can't get any peace at home. You can't get any peace at work. 
But we have to be able to stand in His peace. Verse 2, Paul writes this. He said, I plead with Eudodia, and I plead with Sinek to be of the same mind in the Lord. So when you read this, a lot of times we can just blow right by it, but, but let's think about what's really going on here. Here are two people, and something's going on. Because Paul is, is saying, you need to be in the same mind. In other words, you need to have peace. You need to get along. Where there once was peace, and we'll find out that there, were, there was once peace, there's peace no more. And Paul had heard about this division, and he tells both of them, he said, listen, you need to be of the same mind. Many times in life when there's division between two people, can I tell you, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. What it's really about is, is about who is willing to go make things right. That situation, the other person, they may be 100% in the wrong. But it's about bringing unity. It's about being willing to mend that relationship. Think about our lives. Think about our relationship with God. Can I tell you that when we're born, we're 100% in the wrong? But Jesus, he who knew no sin, he knew no wrong, he went to the cross. Why? Because he knew it was that important to restore that relationship between us and God. What Paul is saying is, is and what we have to, to stand in peace, and we can't allow there to be division where God wants unity. He continues in verse 3. He said, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. In other words, Paul is saying, these people, these women were influential in the starting of this church. The church at Philippi, they, they, it was helped started by a group of women. These were part of his original core. And they once knew peace, but now they're divided. And Paul is saying, listen, you need to get on the same page, no matter what it takes. And in our lives, in our church, in our workplace, in our marriage, in our relationships with our kids or with other people, we have to do whatever it takes to become united, to be on the same page. Because if there is division, you will not succeed. Until we fix some of the division in this country, we're not going to succeed. We look at our country, and it is as divided as it has ever been. And it seems like it's continually getting worse. Why is that? You think it's just, it, it's the attack of the enemy. You might think it's the Democrats, or it's the Republicans, or, no, that's not what it is at all. It's not our politicians. Can he use people to influence? Absolutely. But it's the enemy. Trying to divide. Because without unity, without peace, we can't be successful. Verse 4, Paul then says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, in case you didn't hear it the first time. 
You ever had to repeat something to your kids? You say it once, and you say, I don't think you're listening to me, and so you say it again. That's what Paul's doing here. He said, I said rejoice in the Lord always, and, and just in case you didn't get it, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. What is, why did Paul write this after writing verses 1, 2, and 3? I believe that he's, he's saying, listen, you're letting these little issues, these little things that are dividing you, and you're taking your focus off of the bigger picture. In this instance, what was the bigger picture? The bigger picture was that they had a job to do. They were the army of God. And they were supposed to be working together to share Jesus. And Paul says, quit worrying about these things. You need to start rejoicing. You need to start living like that, that you have a Christ who gave his life for you, that gave you freedom, and you need to rejoice in that. He said, take your mind off of the little things that the enemy's trying to get you to focus on. This little petty thing or that little petty thing. He said, rejoice. And then in verse 5, he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, you notice here, he doesn't say, let your gentleness be known to your family. He doesn't say, let your gentleness be known to your co-workers, to your church family. He says, let your gentleness be known to all. You know what the Greek word for all is? It's all. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what it means. And some Greek scholars say, hey, he must not went to seminary. I did, but I did everything I could to avoid Greek. Had a hard enough time speaking English, being from uh, southern West Virginia. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Why did he say all? Why was he specifically saying everyone? It's because the world's watching. The world is watching. The moment that you say, I'm a follower of Christ, the one moment that you say, I, I identify with Christ, immediately they start watching. No matter where you are. And you know what happens? It's not fair. But I'm just going to tell you, it's true. The world will misread God by our worst moments. That moment that your steak isn't cooked right and you show yourself in the restaurant and then you leave a gateway church pen when you leave, in your worst moment, fair or not, that is when they're judging God that you serve. That moment you cut somebody off in traffic, or that moment if you're an Ohio driver and you're riding in the left-hand lane doing 45 down 52, and that person comes up behind you, and they're trying to push you into the river, and you slow down even more, or even worse, you tap your brakes, and then they look up and see that Christian fish on the back of your... They're judging you by that moment, fair or not. So he's saying you need to let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. 
They're watching. Verse 6. You probably got this on a coffee cup. You've got it on your wall. Or somebody has quoted it to you this week. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like that you don't have things worth worrying about. There are things, life happens. There's so much going around in our heads. We're worried about, you know, did I say something to make them mad? We're worried about, you know, my my washer, I think it's quitting. I'm concerned about my job. I'm concerned, my, my kids have lost their mind. So much going on in your head. So much stuff to worry about. Paul understood that. He knew. Listen, we can become overwhelmed with just the cares of life. Paul's saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. I asked someone after church last week, I said, are you you a worrier? His response was, no, my wife does enough for both of us. There's some people, you're just, it's just the way you are. You just, you, you, you worry about, you worry about be, always being worried. Paul's saying, listen, don't be anxious. Don't worry. In those moments... Because it's going to happen. The temptations are going to be there. But in those moments, we have to invite God into the situation. We have to say, God, I need your peace. I need to be able to stand in your peace. The peace that that passes all understanding. And I need you to guard my heart. Because the enemy will attack your mind. And then it goes to your heart. And when it gets here, it's hard to get out. Because that's the very root of our being. And he said, guard it. Guard it. Replace that worry. Replace that anxiety with the peace of God. Because if it's here, that anxiety and anxiousness may get here. But if your heart is guarded, it can't get here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Says you can bring it to him. Why? Because he cares. He's faithful. He'll never let you down. Second Timothy chapter two verse thirteen says, "If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even if we're faithless, he's faithful. Even when we don't deserve it, he's faithful." Paul continues in verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is a verse that if we can do it, it will change our lives. 
This is a verse that if we can stand on this verse, it'll change our lives. If we can quit meditating on all the negative. I had someone tell me yesterday, this happens all the time, no idea, God just does it. Somebody told me, my anxiety dropped considerably when I quit watching the news. Why? Just sit sometime and watch the news and see how many positive stories there are versus how many negative stories there are. They're playing on you. They're playing on us. Why? Because people were fed off and they feed off negativity. Why? Because it's opposite of what God says to do. God says, think on positive things. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm not talking about some crazy book. or I'm talking about the Bible. He says, think about it. Think about it. Whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's just, whatever's trustworthy, whatever's noble, all of these things, think on them. Meditate on them. We have a tendency to, to meditate on all the negative, all the issues that we have. We've all been there. And there's times that, that negative thoughts start running through our head. And it seems like no matter what we do, we just can't pull ourselves out of it. Why? Because we've got to transition from thinking on negative to thinking on what Paul says we should be thinking about. In verse 9, he continues, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying to this church, he's saying, you've seen me live this out. I mean, by him writing this book, they knew he was in prison. He told them. He said, you've seen me live this out. You have learned from me. Now do it. Put it into practice. He's saying, if you do what I do, the God of peace will be with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He tells the church of Corinth, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul's saying, I'm doing my best to, to live and practice what I preach. I want you to be able to, to do as I do, not just as I say. We've got to be able to stand in his peace. Secondly, we need to stand in his strength. He continues in chapter, in, in chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you, at last, that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Listen, you don't just wake up content. You're not just going to roll out of bed to get ready to go to that job that you really don't like content. Paul wasn't just content. He said he had to learn it. He said, I had to, to learn to be content. It just doesn't happen. Even if you have the ability and you humble yourself. Listen, humility will accelerate the learning process, but it's not going to eliminate it. There's a lot of people who want to skip the process. There's a lot of people who want to 
go from 400 pounds to 200 pounds and skip the process. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work. And the same thing is true with learning to be content. It's not just going to happen. There is a process. Paul said, I had to learn. He continues in verses 12 and 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So let me give you just a quick backstory on Paul. Paul was full-blooded Jewish. He was Hebrew. But he was Roman by birth. What that means is, is that when the Roman government needed to raise money, they would sell their citizenship. And it wasn't, they didn't give it away. You had to buy it, and it was expensive. So what that lets us know is, is that Paul's family had some money because they bought Roman citizenship. He came from a wealthy family. He had a private tutor in religion. And when he gave all that up, because he wanted to start a church, you think preachers start churches to be rich? Paul's saying, no, that's not what happened. He said, I had plenty. I started a church and I had to start making tents just so I could work in the church. But Paul said, in all of this, he said, I've learned. Very familiar. We see it. You'll probably see it painted on somebody's chest today while you're watching a football game. And the person who's got it painted would probably be. And they probably think they could get down there and play because of that verse. That's not what that verse means. It doesn't, say any, it doesn't mean that anything you want to do, you can do it through Christ. What it means is, is that Paul is saying that everything that he has called me to, I can do it in his strength. There's going to be moments that you're doing everything that God has called you to do, and it seems like the weight of the world is on you. And in those moments, it's when you have to stand on this verse. He says you can do what God has brought you and called you to do through Christ who gives you the strength. It's in your weakness that he's strong. And if God calls you to it, he's going to help you get through it. Listen, there are times, I know, I know that God has called me to pastor. I know that God has called me to be a husband, and I know that he's called me to be a father. But there are times that those three things together are so overwhelming. And I feel so weak. I feel like a failure at one of them, two of them, or maybe all three at the same time. But it's in those moments that I have to stand on this verse. It's in those moments that I have to realize that God has given me all these things. He has brought them to me. And so in those moments of feeling overwhelmed, I have to say, God, I know you gave me these things. I know that I can't do it on my strength. I need to be able to stand in your strength. And when we're the weakest, that's when he shows up. But too often we're guilty of looking at where we are and what we have instead of realizing who we have. 
We look at where we are, what we have, instead of realizing who we have. Who do we have? David told us a little bit in Psalm chapter 23, verses 4 through 6. David said, this is the kind of God that I have. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm going to fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is saying, I've had some rough times, but I know what you've called me to. And I know what you've brought me to. And it's in those moments, even in the presence of my enemies, you're with me. You're walking with me. I'm standing in your strength. He's saying, God, you're my covering. You're my portion. So I want my cup to run over, to not be empty. If you want that in your life, the first thing you have to do is stand in his peace, stand in his strength, and lastly, stand in his provision. Stand in his provision. Philippians chapter 4, he continued to write in verses 14 and 15. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with me, with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Paul's saying, listen, you're the one church that caught the revelation. All these other churches that I started, you are the one church, you and you only, (coughs) that caught the revelation that it's better to give than to receive. Listen, God doesn't bless you just to bless you. He blesses you so that he can bless through you. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. You say, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a blessing to, to, to someone? I believe it's whatever God speaks to you. If God calls you to buy lunch for someone, then do it. If he calls you to to help someone with their electric bill, and you feel impressed to do that, do it. Not long ago, I received a a phone call from someone. They said that God's impressed me to purchase something for someone. My first question was, you know, is it legal? And it was legal. He said, I don't want any credit. But I need to do it. I said, we don't have to have my permission. Do it. In that moment, they were saying, God has blessed me and he has impressed on my heart to do this and I'm going to do it because I want to be a blessing. They were listening to God. Willing to do what God has told them to do. Listen, the enemy is not going to put in your mind to bless someone. There's been times, and I say this almost hesitantly, but there have been times that, that God has impressed me for a server to leave them an, an, an extraordinary good tip to bless them. That's not the enemy. Why? Because the enemy don't want them to be blessed. The enemy don't want... God to use you to bless someone. So if you have a thought of doing something like that, that's not the devil. 
That's God saying, do you trust me enough to stand in my provision? Whatever God speaks to you, do it. And when you do it, just as this person, they said, I don't want any credit. Don't do it in your name. That's why a lot of things that, that, that we do around here for the community and, and, and we don't really put a name on it. When we give gifts at Christmas, we tell the parents, we're not putting any names on them. You don't even have to tell the kids where they came from. If you want them to, if you want them to be from you, that's fine because we don't want the credit. But tell them that God provided. That God provided a way. Why? Because we don't want credit. Don't bless someone to get credit, but we bless someone because we're representing Jesus to a hurting world. He continues in verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me, and more than once when I was in need. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He's saying, listen, I want you to have favor with God. You've been faithful. I pray that you have favor with Him. Remember, He's in jail. He's chained to, chained to guards. And He's thankful for the gifts, but He's even happier about the relationships that He has with them. The fact that, that they get it enough the fact that they had caught the heart of God. He continues in verse 19 and 20. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now notice there, he said, God will supply all of your needs. Not your wants, not your desires. He said, I will supply all all of your needs. He said, if you will stand in my provision, I'll take care of everything else. If you'll put me first, if you'll be generous for my sake, then I'll provide for you. He said, I'll provide for you. Listen, it's not easy to be generous. It's not easy to stand in his provision. It's not easy to give to that person. Maybe it may not even be, a lot of times we tie everything to money. I, I'm not even talking about that. Sometimes you, you, you might need to give a sofa. You might, whatever it is, just be generous. And God says, stand in my provision. Know that I'm more than enough. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm just saying when God speaks, listen. That's all I'm saying. That's why we don't get up here and, and when we're t beg and plead and, you know, promise you all of this stuff if you, you know, if you give to the ministry, we're not going to do that. And somebody asked me one time, why don't you do that? Every other church does that. Why don't you do that? Because I'm convinced that I would rather you catch the revelation of generosity to give out of your heart, not because somebody's pleading on your heartstrings. Get the revelation that he's your provision. And I want to be the type of believer that never misses an opportunity to bless someone. 
Have I missed it? Absolutely. There have been times that God's impressed me to do something and I haven't done it because I thought, no, I, I don't have enough. I can't. God, I can't give them that. And then I've gotten beaten, not literally. But God said, you didn't trust me. You didn't trust me. I'm your provision. Stand in it. I want to encourage you and challenge you. I know that that I get up and give a, a, a corporate word. But the Holy Spirit gives us a personal word. And whatever he's speaking to you or he speaks to you, just listen. I've had people tell me, I, I, I don't hear God. I can't hear God. Well, I can promise you he's speaking. And the problem is it can be a couple of things. Number one, you're just not listening. You ever have your kid just not listen to you? You're like, hey, I'm talking to you. Snap your fingers. I don't do that well with my left hand. Snap your fingers. Sometimes God's talking, we're not listening. Or sometimes the other voices are so loud that we can't hear him. We've got so much going on and we're listening to everybody else. He said, I want you to be able to stand. You need to stand in my peace. Know that I've got it all under control. Stand in my strength. When you're weak, I'm strong. And stand in my provision. Know that I am Jehovah Jireh, that I'm more than enough, that I will provide not all your wants, but all your needs. You say, what's the key to this? What is the key to being able to stand? First of all, I'm going to ask you, everybody stand. What was the key to you being able to get out of your seat and stand up? You heard what I said. It went here. And you did it. That's the key. You listen to the voice of God. And you say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand. Not in my strength. You know that when you stood up, it wasn't in your strength because he gives you all strength. It comes from him. Everything that we have, it says in him we live, we move, and we have our being through him. You want peace in your life? It comes from him. You want strength in your life? It comes from him. You need provision in your life? You guessed it, it comes from Him. He said, You got to stand in it. There be times you want to sit down. Some of you, since I've asked you to stand, you're thinking, Man, I need to sit down. Honestly, I've been up here for, you know, what, 10 minutes now? I'd love to grab a seat and sit down. I'm tired. There's going to be times you get tired. Do you want to sit down? It might be okay to sit down for a moment. But you got to get back up. 
you've got to stand in his peace and his strength and his provision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have so much turmoil in my life, I need to know his peace. Would that be anybody? Thank you. Thank you all across this building. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to have peace. Pastor, I'm in a situation right now that I feel so weak and I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I need to be able to stand in his strength. Would that be anybody? I need to stand in his strength. I'm just tired. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired. You may be here and say, Pastor, seems like no matter what I do, there's never enough. There's just never enough. I need to be able to stand in His provision. I need to know that He is Jehovah Jireh, that He's more than enough, that He's my provider. Is that anybody? Thank you, thank you. I'm, just, I'm always worried that, that it's just not enough. That, that what I do is not enough. No matter how hard I work, it's not enough. I need to be able to stand in His provision. Hands went up all across this auditorium with those three things. Everybody look up at me. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that He's your peace, He's your strength, and He's your provision. And you can stand in it. This is when everything else, just stand. Just stand. Proclaim this song over your life. I can stand because he's Jireh. He provides strength. He provides peace. He's my provision. As I pray and as Nick begins to sing, I know we've got a lot planned, and but... There's nothing that we'll do that's more important than what God can do right now. If you're here and you want to pray, if you raise your hand and you want people to, to join with you and to help you stand, to help you keep going, this altar is open. And we'll pray, we'll cry with you, we'll laugh with you, We'll walk together. This altar is open. But no matter what, I want you to leave here today knowing that you can choose to stand. So as I pray, if you felt led, step out and let us pray. Father, I come before you right now. God, you see every person in this auditorium this morning. God, you know the situations. God, you know the people that are struggling with peace, the people that are struggling with weakness, the people who are are struggling to, to know that He is more than enough. And Father God, I pray right now, by Your power, not by ours, by Your strength, not by ours, God, that You will do something in our lives that only You can do. And Father, I'm believing and I'm trusting in You. God, there's times that that, that we try to do everything in our own strength. God, we can't do it. God, we need you. And Father, I pray right now that you will do a work in the lives 
your children. God, as we have studied this wonderful book, God, we understand that we have to make some choices in order to get where we want to go. And Father, I pray that you will keep us keenly aware that you are our provider, your Jireh. And Father, we proclaim that today. This 12th day of September, 2021, may someone realize that you're all they need. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can you just proclaim this in your life? I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through the storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You across the ocean, so I wouldn't drown. You've never been closer than you are right now. Gyra, you are enough. Gyra, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. Gyra, you are enough. Forever enough, always enough. You're more than enough. Forever enough, always enough. You're more than enough. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am, I know what you've spoken, and I'm already loved, well I could imagine, and that is enough, that is enough, and that is enough, that is enough, you Jaira, you are enough. Jehovah Jaira, you are enough. And I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. me oh you're more than enough for me oh 
thankful that we don't have to depend on ourselves because in us man there's never enough but with him there's more than enough I pray that God has done something in your life today and that God has changed that he's blessed you and that you leave here standing in his peace his strength and in his provision. We're going to, um, as I said, 
sit, it's, it's right outside, right on this side of the building. Uh, here in just uh, a few minutes, uh, we're going to gather, and I, I pray that you would just gather around, and, and uh, we've got somebody very special we're going to baptize, and I don't know if anybody else is going to step up that wants to be baptized, but like I said, you're more than welcome. Uh, but I pray that you stay with us. They've been cooking, and you can smell it. Uh, and uh, that's just a, a taste of what God has uh, and what Barb has cooked. Thank you for being here. Look forward to being able to just stand around and talk and sit around. We've got a tent out there to try to take some heat off of you. And uh, we love you. See you outside.